Welcome to Leap Listens. I'm Sarah McGregor. And I'm Roger Kalis. Leap Listens is brought to you by Leap Create. We are a people communications agency and we work with organisations to help communicate their culture, to attract and recruit candidates and to engage and retain employees through creative and digital projects and campaigns. Today, we're joined by Matthew Phelan from the Happiness Index. The Happiness Index is a software platform for organizations that measures how people are feeling at work. And this is underpinned by neuroscience, giving a holistic view of how your people are thinking and feeling. And I'm fascinated to hear more. Welcome, Matthew. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Yes, very good. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Matthew, tell us about you and your work at the Happiness Index. I suppose I didn't start out in the people space. I started out in the animal space. Okay. So I worked with animals before I worked with human beings. And I have a, I have a theory that um, animals are better communicators than human beings. <laughs> um, anyone who's got a cat or a dog or a pet, um, they're just much clearer at communicating. Mm. Whereas human beings at work can say a million words, but don't say anything. Um, so that's kind of like, I'm, I'm a... I'm a sort of a people watcher and I'm just interested in human behavior really. Cause when I got to the world of work, I thought this is a bit strange, this place. Um, and then I discovered something called employee engagement, which a lot of companies measure, um, for my own business. Uh, cause I was an entrepreneur and I was young, running a business, um, as, in my twenties and everyone said, you need to do this thing called employee engagement, but none of my employees really cared about being engaged. Um, and, and what I, what I went on to do is discover the person who coined employee engagement is someone called Bill Kahn um, in 1990 from Boston University. And employee engagement, long story short, was always supposed to include emotions. But over the years, it's become this really rational academic um, thing that employees are sort of, the irony is employees are disengaged with engagement. And what they really care about is things like about how they feel and, and, and their happiness levels and things like that. So that got me on the road to the happiness index where we measure employee engagement. So we still measure what your brain needs, the rational side, but we also measure happiness, which is when, when we describe the neuroscience, we say it's what your heart needs. Oh, that's fascinating. Yes. So, so what was the, and I, I love the stuff that you're talking about with animals. I was listening to something the other day and it, it was making that exact same point, which is that whereas we kind of mask our emotions and hide behind things and say one thing, but think another, you know, a dog that's scared has its tail between his legs and is, is shivering and you know you know you can really see how they're feeling because there isn't that i guess there isn't that ego involved is there roger i would go a step further than that and if, if anyone wants to watch it, i did a, a tedx in brighton on this particular subject which is sometimes people say oh we wear a mask our data and and, and our belief is that we weigh we wear something way more sophisticated than that because we can hide via our face but we still have body language we still have lots of different ways that we give off particular um, thoughts and, and feelings. So we call it, we say that everyone has a super happiness suit with inbuilt emotional deflective field <laughs> um, and that we use it all the time, but, but it comes at a cost. And, and we start to see, starting to see that with burnout, bullying in the workplace, discrimination, suicide rates and, and so on. So it, it starts happiness often when I get invited on starts as the fluffy subject, but the more you get into it, you realize how serious it is. Absolutely. And it, it links nicely with the podcast that we did about burnout just a couple of weeks ago. So there's definitely some dovetailing themes. What was the point at which you decided to come up with this idea? You know, obviously it's one thing to think it, but what was it that pushed you to turning it into a business? Yeah. So I was, I was scaling a, a media business in my twenties with my co-founder and he looked after our customers um, and he went to see one of our customers who was really unhappy. <laughs> And we use the old Richard Branson quote that is, that there is 
customers don't come first, your employees come first. And if you look after your employees, they'll look after your customers. Unfortunately, we're a data-driven company and that was just a statement. And this happens in business all the time. People make statements, but they don't back it up with data or science. So my business partner came back and said, we've got, we've got unhappy clients and we, we what's going on? We, we say we're all about happy employees and happy clients, but, we, but we've got unhappy clients, so it doesn't work. So stage one was like, we called our CTO and said, let's find a way of tracking it. And then one of the team, when we built this like bit of code said, oh, you should call that the happiness index. And it, and it was built with an internal tool um, for a marketing agency that was scaling quicker than it could handle um, to just get what we now call, which we didn't know this at the time, we call it emotional intelligence at scale. Because if you're in a team of 30 people, generally there should be enough emotional intelligence to know how people feel and think in that team. Once you go above the sort of Dunbar number of say 120, that becomes difficult. Some of our clients got 400,000 employees. If you're the CEO of a 400,000-person company all around the world, you can't just walk around the office and see how people feel. And since the pandemic, employees have become even more distributed around the world. So the need for a, an employee engagement and happiness platform has, has, has drastically increased. That's great. You'd be pleased to know we actually have our own happiness survey here at um, Create. Brilliant. Which we obviously manage, we can manage through a Google form because we're a smaller, a smaller agency. But you're obviously talking about, you know, very large scale organizations. Yeah. Um, what what reports and, and what information do you provide organizations about their employees? So the first thing just to say to anyone that's in Sarah's situation, that's just a great place to start. Not to put everyone off going to the happinessindex.com, but you don't have to work with us to start things off just like you have. So that's a great start. Just starting to collect and show people that you actually care is a really good start. Typically, what most companies do with us is they take a cultural assessment, which gives them an employee engagement and, and happiness uh, readout. Think of it like a, a car MOT. Then um, they run a product called Employee Voice, which is how your employees are feeling 24-7. That's intimidating to some people at first because sometimes they've gone from doing a yearly survey to their employees feeding back how they feel 24 hours a day every second. Um, Ultimately, what companies see is the more that you measure, the less problems you have, um, and it actually takes less time. So sometimes people look at surveys and think, I used to do it for a year. If I do one that's every day, that's going to like like blow out the amount of workload. In reality, it's like putting out the fires before they burn down the buildings. That's, that's kind of what happens. So they're the two main products. And then off of that, you drill down into where the problems are. So there might be a DNI issue. There might be a gender inequality issue. There could be a mental health issue. We talked, you said the previous episode was about burnout. You may find out that burnout's an issue in your first MOT. And then like the doctor, that you then drill down into the specialist. I think we all want to create a good culture, but it's just how you can have a really good culture at the same time be you know, commercially successful. Because I've always got this sort of thought that, well, you could make everyone happy, couldn't you? You could sort of give everyone they want and happy, but at the same time, you've got to keep your eye on yeah. it being a successful business. So you obviously have a clear correlation between happiness and the success of a business. Yeah. And how do you show clients that you move the needle through, through the work that you do? So there's a, there's a correlation and there's an association now. There's over about, there's about 30,000 studies into this now that, that, that you can read about. If you want to start scratching the surface, um, I've got a book called Freedom to be Happy, the Business Case for Happiness. Okay. And that goes into that sort of top level stuff, Roger. But to give you a live case study, um, we work with a company that is a bar. They have bars, pubs, hotels. They measure their employee happiness and engagement with the happiness index. And they then cross-reference um, the happiness of the employees with the 
financial performance of those locations. Um, and we, we actually presented at the Employee Engagement Conference uh, last year, and they shared with everyone there that there is a correlation between how happy the employees are of a pub and the financial performance. So I know not everyone here um, it works in a pub business, but the longest study into the correlation and association between Im happy employees and financial performance is 28 years, um, and it covers the entire it covers the American stock market. Uh, it's a study by Professor Alex Edmonds from London, and what it effectively shows is companies that have happier employees outperform their industry peers on the stock market by a minimum of about 2.5% a year. Wow. But if you it's not 2.5% mm. over 28 years, it's 2.5% every year for 28 years. So the data, this is what I mean about that. Sometimes at the when they hear like maybe my job title or they'll, they'll see that the, the top of this podcast, they might think, oh, that's just the nice. And sometimes it gets called the soft metric. Um, but the more you delve down into it, um, companies with happy employees financially perform way better. Um, and we've got the data. There's, there's, it's in our case studies, but it's also data like Professor Alex Edmonds as well. It's fascinating, isn't it? So um, you obviously give people the reports and share that information and that data with them. Do you work with them on the solutions to resolve those? Um, the answer, importantly, is no. We work with them in better understanding the situation of their data, but we personally think it's important to decouple. We are the voice of the people, right? Yeah. Okay. And let's say, let's say there's a burnout issue, which I think 52% of employees last year experienced burnout. Let's say that comes up, right? And then suddenly the happiness index offers a solution of loads of training programs on burnout. It ha in my opinion, it, the two have to be decoupled because we are there to hold a mirror up to your organization, tell you what's going on um, and give you insight on. So to give you an example in the platform is correlation analysis. If you came up, if it came up with a thousand problems that you had in your organization, it would correlate and it would tell you which ones to prioritize. Like if you start with this one here, it will have the biggest impact. That's the sort, that's the sort of help we will give. Yeah. But we won't do what, um, what we call GCSE HR and lots of tech companies go down this route where they suddenly start saying, if this happens, do this. If X happens, have Y. Data should drive, but not lead, in my opinion. So data is incredibly powerful and I run a data company, but it is, it's there to help inform the leadership team to make better decisions. It's not there to make the decision. And, that, and I say that as a tech founder, as a warning that, especially everyone's talking about chat GDP and everything at the moment. Technology is wonderful and it's brilliant. And it will make it will help us make better decisions, but it shouldn't be the thing to make the decision, especially when it comes to your people, which is the most incredible asset you'll ever have. Yeah. Are people frequently surprised by the results one way or the other? Every single time. <laughs> <laughs> there is a range on what people think they think from real brutal honesty through to I've got no idea. But there is always a shock. The most extreme I've seen is a board a boardroom and a board sit in silence for 15 minutes when they got their results. Wow. Um, quite often it shows what a lot of what people, and this is why it's like, it's supposed to, our gut instincts evolved over millions of years. Like that our gut instinct, instinct shouldn't be ignored, but data is there to test it and enhance, inform, challenge. So you don't end up with things like subconscious bias. So the data, so you might have a gut, 
the HR person will often know and the CEO roughly what's going on, but there will always be a massive surprise in there where they go, wow, I did not, I did not, I did not see that coming. So if, um, if someone comes back and, and you've had to deliver the news that they're not as happy as they thought they were, um, do many people dispute your results? Generally, generally not. Um, and I'll give you some examples of where people do, but generally not because the brand is purposely designed to be a bit Marmite, as in it looks like we use the, the same colors as the Sex Pistols. It's supposed to be a bit punk and it's designed to work with companies who actually care because there's, there are a, a segment of, of companies out there that will do surveys to just manipulate the results and make every, every, everything look good. And we just, that's never going to work for us. So generally we are filtered out of the process because we're talking about neuroscience and feelings and we will get filtered out and people say, I'm not, I'm not working with that lot. Like we've had feedback. I don't like the pink and yellow and you want, oh, really? you want to go, <laughs> yeah, you want to go, you want to turn around and go, you're a HR director. If your decision is based on the color of a tech platform, but, but you don't do you because we're all professional. You just sit there and, and go, okay, thanks for the feedback. But it's designed to do that. It's designed to filter out and um, for us to work with people who really believe in, in what we're doing, which means you will get people who will dispute stuff, but it doesn't necessarily always um, it doesn't necessarily always mean that that's a bad conversation. People will say, I'm not sure about that. Can I have more data? And then you'll, you'll drill down further into it. I saw you posted a quote on LinkedIn last week, uh, Matt, from a CEO, John Clifton of Gallup, yeah. advocating um, for the importance of happiness as an um, important indicator. Yeah. Um, and he was quoted saying, when the leaders of tomorrow are asked, what indicators do you follow most closely? Hopefully, many of them will say happiness. And I loved that. Yeah. And I, is that what you're currently now finding? Yeah, I think sometimes you can be too early into a market. And we certainly were like Gallup, if you think about it, they're one of the biggest survey companies in the world. And, and now they're starting to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so for us, that is just a sign that the market's ready for it. Like I remember my first call, I phoned up someone when we were trying to sell it and I called her because I thought she'd be a good prospect. And she said to me, oh, I don't believe in happiness, Matt. If my, if my employees are unhappy, I just fire them. <laughs> Brutal. So yeah. the, world, the world's not always ready. Um, and it's taken time and it also has taken us time to, to really get all the academic research, neuroscience and everything in place to show people that this isn't just a fluffy mm. business. This is, this is deadly serious. And to give a research study on that, and this is very topical for the moment, if you go into two hospitals and they're exactly the same, the hospital with unhappier, um, employees will have a higher, uh, death rate and mortality rate. And that um, far off country that that study um, is done in is, is one called the UK. It impacts everything. Like uh, just to give you one bizarre fact, like happiness impacts accuracy of task. So if me, as everyone on here, we sort of send emails most of the day and, and go on something here, like Roger's phone might accidentally go off. It's not the end of the world. Could happen. It's not the end of the world, is it? <laughs> but if you're a surgeon, <laughs> but if you're a surgeon, it does. Yeah. I was going to kind of ask the obvious question, which was the the why. And I suppose I was asking it thinking, well, I know the answer. It must be about productivity. It must be about you know, how you convey how you are to customers. But that's just my own assumptions. So uh, all, all, all of them, really, Roger. Um, and I'm writing a new book on it at the moment. It should be out in September. But the top things are productivity, sales, share price, customer service, and retention rates. So... I always, th I always think of it like this, like 
if the, if someone came to you and said that they can prove all of those metrics, you'd just bite the hand off, wouldn't you? That the happiness index is a commercial platform. So if people have got above 150 employees, they pay for our platform, right? But all the stuff that you need to do, that's to track it. All the stuff you need to do for happier employees doesn't cost any money. Yeah. Right? If I give you the top four, acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is in the top four. Acknowledging someone in your team, like that, that doesn't cost any. You don't have to put in like a massive acknowledgement program in. You can, but acknowledging people and making them feel like a human being, mm-hmm. um, positive relationships are just two, freedom to take opportunities. That's the, they're, they're in the top three. So these are not like crazy things. Like, like I think people sometimes think of like the old Google offices where they had slides in and everything and think that, oh, we have to go and spend loads of money to make employees happy. The stuff to make employees happy are all the little things that you do to show that you care. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. I love this podcast and uh, I'll chat with you, Matt. So thank you for, for joining us. Before we go, something that we're asking all of our guests in this season, which is all about culture, is what are your top reads? Okay, all my top reads are children's books. I One thing I noticed when I became a parent is that you get you basically get to read children's books and they're such simple stories and life is just so complicated that sometimes just having a little story like the Gruffalo or something is unbelievable and if you don't have kids right you actually miss out on that that's what I always think but you don't have to so the book that I will pick is The Truth Pixie by Matt Haig um so it's an incredible book um that especially if um, anyone that you know um, is maybe autistic or neurodiverse. I I won't ruin it, but it's about a a pixie that can only tell the truth and what happens in her life because of that. And um, that's that's my little tip. Read The Truth Pixie by Matt Haig. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And um, yeah, it's been, been really interesting. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to our Leap Listens podcast. To listen to other experts in the industry, head on over to our website. That's leapcreate.co.uk. Or you can listen on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts. And of course, if you have any people communication challenges requiring highly creative solutions, please reach out to me. I'm Roger or Sarah McGregor on LinkedIn. Thanks very much. 